0: Michelle Angela Yarnell, Angie to those who loved her most, was a 28-year-old from Ivy Bend, Missouri. She was a big Cindy Lauper fan and loved animals. On October 25, 2003, her husband came home from work to find her missing. He later told Angie's family that she ran off with another man. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel and this is Unfound. know the cliche story of the guy who goes fishing, allegedly catches a bass or a trout or a shark that's this big. I have my arms really wide apart, even though you can't see them. He talks about how he fought the thing for an hour, and it pulled him all around the lake, that he fell into the water twice trying to reel it in. But when people on the dock ask where the fish is, the fisherman says, oh, well, uh, it got away. Or... I gave it to a boat full of nuns that just happened to ride by, or men in black suits came up in a speedboat and told me I couldn't keep the record-breaking fish because it was a government experiment. I know, I know, I'm exaggerating. But we've all known that person who tells an outlandish story that is also conveniently unprovable, but who, much to our amusement, also expects us to believe it. Well, today, you're going to hear such a story but the tale isn't one my guest created. The recounting you will hear is the explanation Michael Yarnell gave to investigators once he confessed to being involved in the disappearance of Angie, his wife. Yet, unlike us who chuckle and roll our eyes when we hear a fish story and don't believe a word of it, the authorities bought Michael's unsubstantiated and self-serving story hook, line, and sinker. And now summary of the case, this is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Angie Arnell was kind of a bohemian, get-back-to-nature type of girl. At one point, she had one side of her head shaved, and her hair colored so she could look like Cindy Lauper. As an adult, she lived in a home with a wood stove for heat. And on that land, she raised chickens and rabbits. In contrast to her love for animals, she also wanted to become a taxidermist. Yes, an animal stuffer. She met her husband, Michael, when he moved in next door in the late 1990s, breaking up with her current boyfriend in the process. Michael and Angie were married about three years before she disappeared. Although the marriage started off well, not long before the disappearance, Michael told her he was going to leave her. So on October twenty fifth, 2003, we have only Michael's word regarding that date, he came home from work to find Angie gone. He alerted no one at the time, but when he showed up at Angie's mother's on November 1st, Michael claimed Angie ran off with another man. Approximately 10 days later, Angie's mother received a postcard from Angie claiming she and a man named Gary were headed to Texas and that she would contact her mother when they got there. Angie was never seen or heard from again. This case is the first in Unfound's existence where we are covering a disappearance in which a person has already been convicted for the crime. Yet, questions remain. They include, number one, why did the DA accept the story of what happened to Angie, despite there being no proof? Number two, if Angie's death was somewhat of an accident, why did the perpetrator do as much as he could to make it seem like she was still alive? And number three, and most importantly, where is Angie Yarnell? Angie's family does not believe she disappeared in the manner that is now on the official record in Missouri. The guest for this episode is Angie's mother, Marianne Asher Chapman. Unfound news. The first Patreon live show occurred this past Sunday evening. There were some technical issues, all my fault of course, but I ended up having a great discussion with about 10 viewers. Yes, that's a very small number. But that was what we envisioned when Cherie Biggs, the business manager, came up with the idea. We wanted a more personal, one-on-one experience, and a lot of good thoughts and new ideas came out of it. If you'd like to watch the Patreon show, all you have to do is contribute $12 a month at patreon.com. Next, just yesterday I had a conversation with a company that is in the preliminary stages of putting together a digital series about web sleuths investigators and true crime podcasters no idea where it's going but it will surely include many hosts and programs you know i need to thank vincent at the gone cold podcast for putting in a good word about myself and unfound making the conversation possible finally i will be moving within the next couple months probably not far just north of here most likely I'll be getting a two-bedroom place so my dad can come visit once in a while now that he lives alone. I don't believe moving will get in the way of producing the episode for that particular week, but I will keep you posted. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week I need to thank Carrie, Stephen, and Susan. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at myshopify.com forward slash unfound dash podcast. The cards at makeplayingcards.com. And please mention Unfound at all true crime websites and Forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Angie Yarnell, Marianne Asher Chapman. Marianne, welcome to Unfound.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. Let's start here. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about your daughter, Angie. Now we should explain, of course, that I guess on her birth certificate, her first name is Michelle. Her middle name is Angela. How did she end up going by Angie instead of her first name? How did that happen? Do you remember?
1: I do. I just remember that just since she was born, I like the name Angie. And so we just called her that. And she's always been called that except in second grade when she decided she would be Michelle Hmm. for about a half a year. And then she decided, okay, go ahead and call me Angie again. You know. And so bad uh, we uh-huh. just always called her. Angie.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, so it was so her family. You, you called her that. Uh, other family members called her that, and then her friends called her Angie as well.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: All right, that's interesting. Um, did she? Uh, does she have any brothers and sisters?
1: Angie has a brother. One bro- older brother. He's five years older than her. Okay. But that—that's all. My-
2: Okay,
1: and how did they get along? They got along really well, actually. Um, but, you know, he's a boy and she's a girl in this five years, different in age. You know, they weren't always interested in the same things, or like ever interested yeah. in the same things. You know? Okay. But they got along well, and Eric was, uh, has always been pretty protective of Angie. Okay.
0: How would you uh, explain Angie? What were her interests? Was she into sports, or was she into music, or what was she into? Maybe uh, you know, growing up, becoming a teenager.
1: How do you remember that? Oh well, well, as a uh, well, as a really little girl, she always mm. loved music. And um, when she was a really little girl, she had a little record player, and uh, she loved "Pop the Magic Dragon" song, and she played it. Till it drove us all insane over huh. hundreds of times. Yeah. Time she got a little older. Uh, as a teenager, she liked Cindy Lauper the most.
2: Yeah, so much
1: that um, one summer, uh, I went ahead and and shaved one side of her head and oh. dyed the other part of the her hair pink. Right. She wanted a Cindy Lauper, so we made her a Cindy Lauper hairdo because I thought it's just hair and she wants it. So, yeah,
2: uh-huh. mm-hmm. and it'll grow
0: back, right, eventually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she was pretty proud of that.
0: I have to tell you, Marion, there aren't too many parents uh, who would have done that. So you you must have uh, been you must have been a unique parent.
1: I brought my son wanted a red, white, and blue mohawk, and I gave him that too. Wow. <laughs>
0: okay, I, I'm sure there's some okay. listeners out yeah. there saying right now, "Why didn't I have her?" As my mother, Marianne, because, you, you know, a, a lot of kids probably uh, would have enjoyed to do that uh, back in the day. That's funny. Okay, that's interesting. So she had the, the Cindy Lauper hair. She was into music. And uh, what about school? And uh, what was she into in school? It was some topics. And did she end up uh, going to college? What did she do? Well, in school, she just she
1: was just a little... A little pupil, I guess, in, in grade school. Uh, she was a, a brownie and a girl scout and um, mm-hmm. she she grew up in all of her schooling pretty much was in the Denver schools and, um, and then, she, you know, when she got older and she moved to Missouri we, we moved to Missouri mm-hmm. um, we uh, finished high school in Missouri and then she started to get into taxidermy but uh, she was studying that when every, when she went missing, actually. But um, that
0: was Taxidermy. So just so people uh, – maybe some people don't know what that's like, the stuffing of animals.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's so funny oh. because I never, ever seen an animal love – anyone love animals as much as Angie, and um, especially dogs. She was the biggest dog lover in the world. Mm-hmm. So, but I thought that was an odd choice, but she liked, she wanted to do that, but, and she was into it, but she didn't get too far and then she went missing.
0: Maybe, uh, what were some other jobs maybe she had? Maybe, uh, of course she was about 28 when she disappeared, but, um, what was she into maybe in her jobs in her twenties when she was getting her education to do that?
1: Was she working? Mostly she was, yeah, mostly she was, uh, waiting tables pretty much. Uh-huh. That was about it. Yeah, she did a lot of waitress work. Okay.
0: Okay. We, um, I'm sure a lot of listeners have already um, read about, you know, the generalities of her disappearance. But when did she meet? Uh, we're just going to go over the generalities of the relationship right now. But when did she meet Michael Yarnell?
1: She met him about three years before she went missing. And um, she met him in California, Missouri. and she um, brought him to the house
2: mm-hmm.
1: for us to meet. And um, we didn't we, we like him okay. He never spoke to anybody. He was very extremely introverted.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, but she seemed to be happy with him. And, and so mm. they got married pretty soon after that.
0: And so they got married in uh, about two thousand. The year two thousand.
1: Let me think. I would think it would be about. No, uh, I don't even remember what year it was. But okay. Yeah, I would say it was maybe ninety-nine or two thousand.
0: Ninety-nine, two thousand. So they were married about three years. Did Did they meet uh, at a job or at a bar? Do you no, even he, remember?
1: He was. She was with another guy. Hmm. And, um, this, this Mike guy, he, um, uh, moved in next door to where she was living and she and he got together and she left the other guy and wow. Mike and her went off together. How
0: did you feel about that? I like was you...
1: wild about him. Okay, I was, I, I was stunned really, hmm. and, um, my family, some of them, was really disappointed in her. But um, the other guy was 15 years older than her.
2: Oh, wow. And
1: so I thought, well, you know, that probably wasn't going to last too many years anyway. So, well, I just supported Angie pretty much anything she wanted to do. Sure.
0: Okay, so she, Mike, uh, moved in next door. They met somehow, and she threw... Uh... This other guy out. Maybe it was an amicable breakup. We don't, uh, you know, that's none of our business. Probably as far as we're covering this, but she ended up with Michael and she brought him home. And you said that um, he was kind of quiet, but really didn't have any problems with him. You personally,
1: I didn't. Um, She, but but he was really really quiet. And I would say, what you know, what's going on with him? Oh, he's he's just shy. uh, But he's a real sweetie. That's what mm-hmm. she said at first, anyway.
0: Yeah, at okay. first. Okay. He changed. Yeah. Well, that that, so that sometimes happens. That that's true. And and uh-huh. uh, of course, we're going to talk about that. Was he working at the time? Did he have any? Did did he have any children? Maybe from a previous relationship, Michael. I know that Angie didn't, but did Michael have any kids no, from a previous nothing. relationship? Nothing.
1: Okay. Nothing I know of. Okay. And
0: was he working? He was working. Where was he working? Maybe he was, okay,
1: wow, well,
0: I don't remember, I remember. But i'm okay. I'm pretty sure he was working, okay so, um, what were the dynamics um of the marriage? like you said, things changed after they got married. It maybe went down downhill. but how often did you see Angie? And uh Michael, together were you close to them? I, I'm guessing you maybe got together for like Christmas and things like that. How would you explain the relationship?
1: Where they lived uh was it about an hour and a half from here, and so we didn't get together in person as often as we should have, but mm-hmm. um they it, you know it was really shortly after the marriage um that for a while she came home and stayed with us because she said, he was emotionally abusive mm. and, um, and then after a while he came around and they talked and everything. And so she said, "Well, she was going back because every he was, everything was going to be okay. Um, but, you know, I have to tell you when, when they got married, um, I didn't know they were, they didn't, they didn't announce they were getting married. They just showed up and said, "We we just got married. And
2: oh my, I didn't, I didn't know that. Know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so they here she is standing in the living room say and and just beaming, We just got married and they'd went to the courthouse and got married. I'm kinda you know, it, it this really still disturbs me a lot to this day. But
0: Did she ever I, explain I why I, she did that? I mean, did she in a private moment just mother and daughter, did she ever explain why she did that instead of having a maybe a more traditional ceremony?
1: And I, I don't recall her actually ever ever saying it. I guess I should huh. probably let it go. But, huh. you know, I I remember looking at her finger, and she didn't have a ring on. And I said, well, where's your ring? And she said, well, I, we're not going to do rings. And I, I said, well, why? And she said, well, we, we're doing something else. And she had long blonde hair. And she lifted up her hair. And on the back of her neck she had gotten a tattoo. Wow. It was like two it was two inch like cryptic lettering. And it said obey. It said obey.
0: O B E Y. Obey.
1: Yes. I said, what in the world is that about? She said, oh, you know, mom, just, you know, like obey your intuition and to thine own self be true, blah, 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 and all that. And I probably just rolled my eyes. And I mean, I'm not against the tattoo, mm. but I didn't get that. And I didn't like that cryptic look about it either. But uh, she said, um, I, I don't know. She just, it, it was strange. It was just really strange.
0: I—I've, I, As the listeners know, I've never been married. Or anything like that. Uh, But even to me that seems a little uh, out of the ordinary.
1: Yes, it it was. And it would be later on that I kind of figured out what that all meant. What it actually really meant.
0: Okay, we'll talk about that. What did, did, uh, did Michael get a tattoo of any kind on the back of his neck saying anything?
1: Oh No. (laughs) And just, just, only she did.
0: Okay, so they didn't have, neither of them have rings, but she was required, I guess, to get this tattoo.
1: Acted as if um, she wanted it, you know. Okay. But but I know that she did her best to keep it hidden for Mm years. Okay.
0: Well, if it was under her hair in the back of her neck, maybe that was uh, a good place  … uh for it not to be yes. seen by by anybody but uh once again the, your interpretation of it, it was that she wanted to get the tattoo it wasn't like he forced her to do that
1: That's that's what she much at the time. Okay. I look back on a lot of things and see how it was probably different than I realized and I, I was pretty naive, I suppose.
2: Right.
0: Right. Okay. Um so they get married without you being there and i i do have to ask you this um it was angie's father involved in her life we've never talked about him i don't want to get into that too much if he's out of the picture but um i i don't i don't he know if he's ever... out of
1: the picture and he uh i he lived in colorado and okay. i hadn't talked to him in many years and mm-hmm. we have very bad relationship. But I I do recall when Angie went missing, I, I instantly um just instantly frantically panicked and mm-hmm. I sent him an email and told him that Angie is missing and he sent back something hateful and I've never heard from him since. Okay.
0: So he did so he did not play any role. He was living in Colorado, of course, this is all in Missouri you are essentially uh Angie's parent father not having much of a role at all so but you and she are close
1: we were yes we Very were close, close. Okay. but it wasn't that he didn't have a role in her life he had a huge role in her life but it was never good and um he would mm-hmm. come visit her on occasion and she was always always upset about him coming and Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't
0: good okay all right that's that we'll just leave it at that okay so she gets married kind of i guess you'd say elopes even though she didn't go anywhere but she got married it seems on the spur of the moment without telling any family members it doesn't seem that he told any of his family members um how much did you learn or know about michael Um, during that time that he and Angie were together. Did he ever talk about prior relationships or being in the military or anything like that? I mean, I know, once again, I know you say that he was very, very quiet. Um, He honestly
1: never talked about anything. He never, hardly ever spoke. And I even remember when he said a couple, whole sentences to me, and I was astounded because... I've Mm -hmm. never seen anybody. He wasn't rude. He wasn't. He. I understand, according to him, um, coming from Angie, he had been abused as a child, and I don't know if that was the problem or what. But he was extremely introverted, and he um, he just didn't speak much. And but you know, it it was it was very creepy, to be honest. It really was. I
0: probably. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean you like people that can listen, but when they simply don't talk, that's something else. Okay, so you didn't know about much about him uh, during that time, but of course he's going to play a large role in our conversation uh, a little later. Like you said that their relationship seemed to start going downhill after a while. D- to your knowledge, or did not uh, Angie ever say anything to you about maybe thinking about getting divorced, anything like that?
1: Uh, not until the end, uh, toward the end, Mm -hmm. she was saying that he wanted,
0: he wanted a divorce. Okay. Why was that? Any idea?
1: I don't, they started fighting about things and, Mm -hmm. and I never knew the whole truth on it. She said that he was, um, he was having, um, bad moods because he was trying to quit smoking cigarettes and, um. Mm -hmm. you know that that he wanted to break up with her but i don't he wasn't telling me everything
0: okay that's what she was saying but you get the idea there was a little more to it
1: i know that was a little more to it okay you know
0: okay because a lot more to it okay because you know from i'm sure from the listener's standpoint my standpoint you know if he's not much of a talker and everything else it seems weird that he would be the one that wants the divorce. It would seem to me more likely that Angie would be the one being, that he doesn't seem to have much of a personality, et cetera. You, you know what I mean? I so that's uh that's very interesting. And how did Angie feel about him wanting to leave her? Was she okay with that or was she going to try to keep the marriage going? What do, what do you think?
1: It, she didn't act like she really wanted the marriage to keep going exactly, but she called, um, I don't know about three weeks before she went missing and said mm-hmm.
2: that
1: Mike said I, he's leaving me and and uh, anyway she had to go find a job in town
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, so but she didn't you know she didn't say I want to come home or anything like that I I don't I don't know okay.
0: So so because she thought she was going to be a single woman here in the near future, she was, uh, I guess, wasn't working at the time. You said that maybe she was going to school uh, for being a taxidermist, so she had to go out and uh, try to start making some money if she thought that she was going to be single in, in the near future. Uh, did she ever say anything about uh, Michael possibly having a woman on the side?
1: She didn't tell me that. I did find that out myself in my investigation. Okay. Afterwards.
2: But she afterwards. was
1: re- really, yeah, yes, afterwards. Okay. But she was worried about, um, that they live in this place called Ivy Bend, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And it's a long, windy, windy road. And there's not, they don't even to this day have hardly any cell phone service down there and all that. And it was uh, at least 20 miles to the closest small town, 25 to a little bit bigger town, but in the in the place they were living, they had a wooden wood furnace, and she was afraid you could not let the fire go out in the winter because it was so hard to get it going again and everything, and she was just really worried how she was going to juggle all that plus she had her two dogs. Mm -hmm. to take care of it and all that she was very worried about what was going to happen there
0: she was living in a place where the main heat was a wood furnace yes so you had to bring in like wood from outside and bring it in and
1: well actually the furnace is on the outside of the structure in Uh a little kind of a little housing around it but you fed it you had to go outside and feed it actually and oh it was gosh. somehow there was vents that would heat the inside. I'm not sure how that works exactly. Oh
2: my. But this
1: whole property, you know, when they, they went down there and um they were doing their best to live she wanted to live off the land. She she uh she did a big garden and she had chickens and rabbits and she had a a worm farm and she had all this stuff and she did all this planning of of her food that she made and, um, but the whole place down there, it was just, it was actually pretty hideous Mm. and, um, and he, he always worked on it trying to make it more livable and it was like they were doing what they could do for lack of better words, just living off the land and and kind of like a, a old fashioned, maybe a hippie life or something and that's what they were doing down there
0: okay sounds it sounds tough marianne i mean i I like my creature comforts you know i like my air conditioning and stuff uh that sounds
1: tough they bought the property uh down in that that neighborhood well that community you could you could go in there today and you could put a hundred dollars down and a hundred dollars a month with no credit check and you own a lot but then you have to build something or bring in a trailer or something to set it there. Mm-hmm. And they're they're all over the place down there. A lot of, Most people go there, and they use that for their weekend fishing cabins and stuff like that. But some people live there year-round, as Angie and Mike did. Okay.
0: And how often were you talking to Angie uh, at this point? Uh, those last maybe month or six weeks, two months? Before she disappeared, how often were you talking to her and how often did you see her?
1: You know, every um, week um, for a couple of years before she went missing, Mm -hmm. um, we spoke on the phone probably twice a week, each time about an hour. And we used to laugh about how she we always set it up and I tell her, Okay, and. You call at a certain time so that my husband, Tommy, he's going to get stuck with the dishes again because I'm on uh, the phone with you, right? That's and, funny. <laughs> and we did that, but we we, uh, we were really close, except that week, uh, that one week, I thought she was out uh, putting in applications and all, and I, mm-hmm. and I have the phone records from back then, mm-hmm. and I did call her house every day, and there was one minute call, and it went to their answering machine, but she didn't answer. But I didn't really get alarmed because I knew that she was trying to find a job. Yeah. So,
0: okay, so let's get into that. When was the last time? When was the last time you actually spoke to Angie before she disappeared?
1: It was the twentieth of October. Twentieth. No. Well, Wait a minute. Let me back. Yeah, it was the. 20th the 20th
0: of October. Okay. So, not quite a week before she disappeared, if we're going to accept October 25th, 2003, as the yes, date. I, oh.
1: I didn't know she had disappeared until November the 1st.
0: Okay. Okay. And, um, see, so when did you, and we're going to get into this is a unique, uh, as the listeners already know, this is kind of a unique case for unfound because of the circumstances. But, do you, you know, thinking back once again that um you didn't find out to November first, do you even remember october fifth twenty fifth two thousand three do you remember what you did that day? You know, when did it start bothering you that you hadn't heard from Angie in a while?
1: I actually it didn't it had been a week um, that I had tried to call her, but I actually didn't really worry too much about. I just thought she was busy and she had a long commute back and forth every day. And, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of just really wasn't worried. And I, I think I was pretty busy or something that week as well. And, and it was unusual and, and odd not to be talking to her, but I just thought, Oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little different right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. I kept waiting for her to call and say, tell me where she was hired. And, or something but she never did
0: so you never even I mean i we haven't really talked about uh, some friends that she might have and she might have had friends from you know growing up or, or whatever but uh, did she keep in contact with any other people who may have been trying to contact her through that week around October
1: 25th well you know it's so funny because um, when right a little bit after they got married and before they moved down there they had an apartment in Jefferson city. Well, it was Angie's apartment and he moved in there. And, um, but anyway, um, I later found out all, but one of her girlfriends, they just quit being her friend because I talked to several after she went missing. Um, Mm -hmm. and they would tell me, and they all had this pretty much the same story. They would come over to visit her and they would, walked through the living room and he would be sitting on the couch looking at the tv or something but he wouldn't even so much as even look up or acknowledge that they walked by his eyes were just focused on the tv and he and they they said he was too creepy and he bothered them and so they quit coming around all but one single girlfriend and um and and she said i told them it's he's just quiet but really he's a sweetie but they said that he was scary and she didn't and she said i don't see that so, huh well i think she had too many people contacting her okay living down in there too much
0: okay all right that that is that is a creepy story um so you said November first, which would of course be the day after Halloween. That is when you started to get a little worried about this, and what'd you do?
1: It, it, what that is the day I found out she was missing.
0: Okay. When did on let's put it this way? When did you start worrying? I mean, maybe you found out that day, but when did the red flags start going up?
1: You know, when I think back on it. I, I was a little concerned off and on over a week's time, um, but it, 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 it kind of nagged me. But it it just didn't seem it it, it hadn't been. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't mm. that worried, but it was just uh, it was just unnatural not speaking with her like we always did. But I wasn't actually really worried. I was just. I just chalked it up. She's really busy right now. She's got a lot on her plate right now, and okay. that's the way that went.
0: And we we should make clear that this is two thousand three. She didn't have like a cell phone, so when you were calling her, this was a house phone or
1: something. Yes, okay. and you they um people have cell phones. I had a cell phone mm-hmm. back then, but you can't even use even on my iPhone. I go down there now. You can't even get any reception no down in there anyway. Okay.
0: All right. So November 1st is the day that you say you found out that she disappeared. How did you find that out?
1: Well, that was the day it was my son's, um, daughter's birthday. Uh, Samantha was five years old that, that's her birthday. And we were having the birthday party and, um, All day long, you know, we had a lot of guests over and kids and presents and everything, you know, for a little five-year-old girl's birthday party. And all day long, I kept waiting and waiting, and and she didn't come. And she had told me a couple weeks earlier what she had bought for the child and everything, right down to the gift bag. She described it all. And um, they didn't come, and I kept calling like every hour. What's going on? Is your car broke down? What, What in the world? What? Why aren't you mm-hmm. here? Because Angie would not have missed this. And, you know, it's like a holiday around here. You know, the kids know. Mom means that you have to be here. But um, I, I was really worried. I kept looking out of the kitchen window, looking, watching the drive. And I, I felt really almost sick to my stomach. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Why isn't Angie here? And so... Finally, at five, by 5 o'clock, all the guests had left. The party was over. My husband, my son, and, and the baby and me were here. Everybody else had left. And so about 5 o'clock, I called, and I just said, Look, Angie, I left a message again. I said, If I don't hear from you tonight, I'm going to be there really early in the morning. And um, then about two hours later, I saw her car pull in the driveway. And I could see both of her dogs were in the car, mm-hmm. and uh, it was dark out. But I could I could tell that was Angie's car. It was a big old Cadillac, and um, so I, I threw open the front door, and Mike stepped in, huh. and I said, "Well, I said finally, I said, what happened to you guys?" And he said, he stepped in and sat down in the rocking chair, and I then I looked out, past him, and I, and I said, "Well, where's Angie?" And he said, well, he just said, well, she's gone now. And I said, well, what do you mean she's gone? He said, I don't know. I think she ran away with another man. And I said, well, what? Who? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, why would you say that? He said, I, I just had an assumption. I came home from work last week and she was gone. And I, 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 just, I, lost huh. I, I just lost it. I just lost it. I didn't even know how to process that. Because, you know, and she, you know, I know she didn't tell me some certain things like um, that she thought that would disturb me. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure she'd tell me if she was going to run away with somebody. Yeah. And I said, well, why would you think that? I, who is it? He said, I don't know. I just think that's probably what happened. I said, well, what did she take? He said, well, she didn't take anything. And I said, she didn't take any money or anything? He said, no. And I mean, her two dogs, Blossom and Penny, those were her kids. And I mean, big time. Those were her kids. I said, she walked off and left Blossom and Penny? He said, yeah. He said, she didn't take anything. And then he said, oh, yeah, except. He said, except that big collage that was up on the wall. And I said, what collage? I said what do you mean she took that she had made this she was very artistic she made this this poster sized collage and it was in a frame and it was behind glass and it was really detailed and it just put a lot of work into it and it hung on the wall I said why would she take that big cumbersome thing and not take her dogs or her yeah. money or, or her purse even
0: or her car said, that know, he, the, the car that he drove there in that the Cadillac car. yeah
1: great and I said he said well I don't know but that's all that's missing is that thing off the wall which was just I mean just insane you know
0: and so you're there he's there and like you said he's not one to talk but all of a sudden he's talking to you he's probably said more words there than you had heard him say maybe you know in a long time Uh, you know and finally he's talking to you about and your husband's there uh, your son is there and he's telling, they are hearing this as well.
1: Yes. And then he kept getting up and going outside and, and walking out to the car and coming back and it, he wasn't himself at all. He was really, really nervous. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were, we all were kind of scared of him, you know, because something was sure not right. Sure.
0: I'd feel the same way. I
1: asked him if he he filed a missing persons report, and he said no. Because she's not missing, she ran away with another man. Well, I'll tell Mm -hmm. you what, the next morning I was down there filing that report.
0: Okay. So he's there. How long would you say that Michael stayed at your home that evening before he jumped in Angie's Cadillac and went back to Ivy Bend?
1: I'd say he was here about 30 or 40 minutes.
0: And that's all he would tell you. He said, all I know is I came home one day and she was gone.
1: That was He's it. She has gone and that big picture has gone off the wall. And that's, that was it. I said, you know, she went, she's not going to leave her dogs.
2: Mm-hmm. He said,
1: well, she did. I mean, honestly, okay. she didn't even ever go out to get the mail without those dogs. She never came here without her dogs. They, they came anywhere she went.
0: At that point, did you suspect that maybe Michael did something to her? At the, once again, I, I we did. know we know everything that happened since, but at that time, November first, what'd you think?
1: You know, I did, but I, um, I, I, I did, but I I couldn't say it out loud. Sure. I didn't know how to process it at all. I did not know how to process it, and I have to say, this is going to sound bizarre, but I'm going to tell you, this is just true. the very minute. That those words came out of his mouth while she's gone now, I'm not kidding. I heard as clear as a bell. It was whispered right in my ear. I heard somebody said neighbor man. They did. They said neighbor man. I don't know anything about that at all, but I did hear that. But I don't okay. know about that. Okay. Yeah, but I something. I knew something was wrong. But I remember that. You know, let, you know. Let's face it. And she did leave that other guy and go off with Mike. Did she mm-hmm. not? She, she did. did. Oh. That's true. And, you know, mothers don't want to think that their daughters are going to do something like that. But, um, you know, she is a 28-year-old woman, and it, I couldn't control if she decided to do something like that. But way down deep, there's no way I believed any of this, you know. I just didn't, but I I feigned affection for him for quite a while, trying to find out things from him, you know. Mm.
0: So the next day, November 2nd, you go down and file a police report, port. um, and did you ever, on top of that, drive down to Ivy Bend, down to their place to check it out? You know, what happened after that particular I filed day? The
1: re- I, I did file the report the next day. I had to fight and argue with them like crazy but they finally let me do it mm-hmm. um, and I, I was just I, I was just cast into something I, I just an absolute nightmare it's a nightmare but um, I, it would be about a week later that my husband and I did go down to Ivy Bend and um, I, I had heard well Mike had sent me a message. No, he called me or he called me and um, actually I called him. I called him and he was laughing and he said, I bought a better truck he, and he laughed about it. And he said, cause I can afford one now. And I, I don't know. I thought that was disturbing, but still, I didn't know what to think of it. So, mm-hmm. but so I told my husband, I said, Okay, let's go visit old Mike and um, see. I said when we get there, you need to act really interested in that truck that he he's so proud of. Get that hood up and everything, because I'm going in the house, and I want to. I, I just wanted to see if her clothes were hanging in there or what was going on. So Tommy kept him outside for a while, but when the minute I stepped in the house, the second I stepped in there, it was a trailer, by the way.
2: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um, the second I stepped in there, my eyes went straight to that wall where the collage was. Yeah. The whole wall from like three feet wide and four feet long or something, it was a, a sheet of drywall that was just screwed in and just um just patched in there. And then the floor coming off from it about three by three foot area that had been replaced with some linoleum that did not match the rest of the floor. And so that whole wall and the floor coming out from it had been replaced. It wasn't painted or anything. It was just white, drywall.
0: Mm-hmm. And and do you have any idea I how long it was I mean really what was there. let's just uh and I know what people are thinking right at this second, but just to be clear, when was the last time you were in that place before that time?
1: I was there. The last time I was there was in July.
0: All right. So between July and the beginning sometime of November, somehow the there's something that went on with that wall and something that went on with that floor.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: All right. Did did um, Michael say anything? Did you ask him about that? Why is that wall like that Why at that point when you were there? Did you ask him?
1: Why it was like that? I didn't mention it. Didn't even mention it. I um, okay ran around in there real quick. Look, her clothes were gone. Um,
0: her I, clothes were gone. Just if I- sc- excuse me. Her clothes were gone. Yeah. They're All gone. of them. All of them.
1: Yeah. Her okay. books were gone. Her clothes okay. were gone. A uh, whole lot of her things were gone. Um, her journals, her diaries. I wanted them really bad. They're, they were. Everything was gone.
0: Okay, and Michael had he no explanation had for it. He had no explanation for that.
1: Say, I didn't say anything about it, but he gave us um, a couple of, of plastic bins, green bins, that had some old radio paperback novels, and literally just a bunch of trash, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Mm-hmm. Said
1: maybe you want this of your daughters, and I I brought them home, seeing if I went through everything, seeing if there was any kind of clue of any sort in there, because I was already in big time investigation mode. But um, they—they are—it was just useless. But all of her actual items were gone. Well, wow. okay, them. they were gone.
0: And once again, at that point, you didn't ask him about any of that. Maybe didn't want to. Maybe maybe a little afraid of him. I mean, you are down at his house and. Of Course you're already having your own suspicions. Uh, did the police I think I was trying to
1: outsmart him a little bit. I was just
0: Sounds like I was it. actually
1: feigning affection for him. I just felt that we had treated him so good. Uh, we included him in our family. We did everything we could to make him feel welcome. I just he called me mom. Um, things like that. I just I just felt he's going to he's gonna divulge something to me if I just play this right. It was sort of like that, I think. Okay.
0: Did the police ever go down there and check that out? Did they ever talk to Michael? Uh, anything like that in those like days and weeks after you filed that
1: report? They, I I have a lot of a lot of cop of copies of different things that I got from the police station. Mm-hmm. And they went down there after I filed the report. They went down there like the next day. And in the report, it states they they saw nothing out of the ordinary. They were there for 11 minutes, and everything was fine to them. And they told they maintained, yes, she probably did run away with another man.
0: So they, do you uh, even honestly, know? Do
1: you even... God, Please. They uh, dismissed Angie from the get-go. She never stood a chance. She never stood a chance with this police agency. Do not think I don't... Uh, like and appreciate law enforcement because I do. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of trouble with this agent, really a lot of trouble. And it, and it wasn't even the agency uh, itself all the way. It was more the detective and the sheriff. And then, yeah. So, okay. yeah, they, they spent 11 minutes in there and said everything looked fine.
0: So they did at least go inside and they saw that wall just like you saw that wall and they saw that floor just like you saw that floor it didn't and, seem to matter i guess didn't seem to matter okay yeah. did when michael had come up uh, you know the, the after that party was already over did he even give you a date did he say she left on this date because we know the, the the day that's out there is october 25th and we'll get into that later but at that point did he say yeah she's been gone a week she's been gone 3 days did she, he say anything like he,
1: that he said she um She was gone when he came home from work on the 25th.
0: That's what he says. Okay. Uh Okay. So he comes up on November 1st, says she ran off allegedly with another guy. Then you file the police report. Then you and your husband go down there. You check out the interior. You see some suspicious things. You also notice that her clothes are gone. A lot of things that she would own, uh, have are gone. Um and then the police went down there they spent a total of 11 minutes down there and then they came to the conclusion that michael was telling the truth all right so that that uh is not doesn't sound very positive uh to me um but then something happens and this is where we we're going to go into the you know get into the more of the details of these things um, tell the listeners about a postcard that you received. What date did you receive it, approximately, if you if you could, and what did it say, where did it come from, et cetera?
1: Uh, well, I received a postcard about 10 days. I, I don't know the date. I don't have mm-hmm. it in front of me. but That's fine. It was about 10 days after I found out she was missing. So it was probably about the 11th or 12th of November I received a postcard. It was postmarked from Harrison, Arkansas, and it said, "It it said, Mom, Barry and I are headed to our uh, to Texas to visit his family. We'll write when we are settled." Love, Angie. And that's all. That's exactly what it said. Um, and at first glance, it, it really looked like Angie's writing, and I was so relieved. I was so glad, you know, because uh-huh. I, I was—I wasn't all, all of a sudden. I wasn't so afraid because then I—I I was mad. I was angry, you know. How dare you, you know? But um, and and it really did look like her writing. But I sat with it for a week or so, and I sat up all night every night. I turned it all in every direction, and I read it backward, and I. Tried to find, and then I, I figured out pretty quickly. Even though it does look like her writing, sort of, it's not her normal writing because normally she writes real frilly. She and I sent cards and letters in the snail mail, even back then, every week. And I, I mean, I I know her writing, mm-hmm. but she writes a little frilly and girly and all this. And this was very, very strained as if it was really slowly written. And I thought, okay, somebody's forcing her to write this or something. But regardless, um, when I first got it, I took it to the sheriff's department and they closed their case. And then after about a week or so mm-hmm. of me going over it, I took it back. And um, with some arguing and fighting with them, they agreed to reopen her case. So, So they did. But, you mm-hmm.
0: know, was, Harrison, Arkansas, you know, did that mean anything? How far is that away
1: from Ivy Bend, Missouri?
0: How far generally?
1: Say, I'm not sure how many hours, but um, I would think it would be three or four hours at the very least. It's right past Branson and right into Arkansas. I drove down there, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but um, but I, I know no. At the time, I didn't even know anybody in Arkansas. Right. And uh, it meant, you know, it meant nothing to me. And so then the next thing I know, I'm just constantly on the computer all night long. I'm looking for Gary's and just, just, just crazy. Did you
0: tell Michael about this postcard?
1: Yeah, I did. You did? uh, I did. And, you know, everybody started acting like they were feeling sorry for him because he did run away with another man, you know, um, according to this. And, you know, after she went, after I knew she was missing, it would be three weeks later and it was Thanksgiving. He came and sat at our table and I always host a huge Thanksgiving with my family. I'm talking 30 people easily wow. come to my home for every holiday. They, this is where you go. And so um, everybody was feeling sorry for him. And I kept thinking, well, I hope that Angie and Gary shows up. But, of course, they didn't. And then a yeah. month later, it was Christmas. There was nothing from Angie and no card. And it's just not Angie. And um, but, oh, Mike did come for Christmas.
0: Too, and so yeah, let's talk awesome about. Uh, it. Let's let's just uh, put a a a bow on that postcard. So you get that postcard, okay. and do you still have the postcard? Do the police have the postcard? Where is it?
1: The police had the postcard for a long time.
2: Uh huh.
1: Um, but I ended up getting it back. He, I was
2: okay. Told,
1: back then, I thought. There were some stamp machines in post offices that you still licked the stamp back then. And I thought maybe we could see who licked this stamp. And the police said that they sent it away to be analyzed, but mm. they never did. It was found in his desk drawer.
0: Okay, so they lied to you about that. Um, anybody I know, you know, most post offices even back then had video cameras that somebody went in there, could have mailed it. That was never checked, I guess, either.
1: Not that I know of. Okay, so I went to the post office, I talked to them, but they they are busy post office, they didn't really know anything.
0: They and is they it
1: hang a flyer right?
0: Is it would it have been possible? Let's just put it out there that Michael drove down there and mailed it back. Could he have yeah. done that? Could he yeah, have done that? Okay, yeah, of course, okay. So you mentioned Christmas. Uh, Thanksgiving comes and goes. You don't hear from Angie or this Gary character. and But it does get to Christmas. So now we're like two months uh, since she disappeared. And Michael does show up
1: for Christmas. What goes on? Well, he, you know, and I, of course, I bought Angie's gifts and they were wrapped under the tree because I was certain she was coming. You know, I really was. And, um, but... Anyway, so here comes Mike, and he has gifts for us. And he hands little Samantha this yellow-flowered gift bag. And inside it is a Barbie doll with a Vespa scooter. This is what Angie was so excited about. She was bringing for the child's birthday on November 1st. Yeah. She told me about it on the phone. She was all excited about it. She just can't wait to see Samantha's face. Anyway, so Mike... Ended this to Samantha and said, look what I bought for you. And I knew oh every time he did things like that, I knew I didn't say anything still. And I knew I was building the case. And I, I just just kept adding more to it like that. that so he that was loud, spoke loudly to me.
0: You know, right. So he pretended like he brought he bought the presents, whereas these were the presents that Angie had bought maybe back in September or something for, you know, or early October for this birthday that happened November 1st.
1: Yes. Wow. Wow. That was him. Wow. All
0: right. So you just kind of chalked that up um, into your memory. Um, How was he at Christmas? Otherwise, I mean, obviously he was putting on a show with that. How was he to everybody else? Of course, you've portrayed him as being very, very quiet. Uh, was he still that way?
1: He was still pretty quiet, but mm-hmm. he he was just kind of sitting around like he was sad. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Did you bring up Angie? Did you say, have you heard from her? Did you I, tr- try to talk to him about her?
1: I always did, and uh, he, he would always say, oh, uh, I, I haven't heard anything. Okay. Uh, okay. We forget Angie, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother, my brother, he always says a prayer for these things, my oldest brother. And I made sure that we included Angie in his prayer and all that. So,
0: of course. You know. Of course. All right, so Christmas comes and goes. You don't uh, hear from Angie or, once again, Gary, if he even exists and uh do you have any perception at that time of course you said that angie had her dogs she had some animals and things was was michael taking care of those or you know do, what happened with that in that during that time do
1: you even know um he had the dogs for a while um and then i think he well he gave the dogs to his stepfather and i i didn't know what it became of them i later did find one of them. Um, years later, but, um, he, he let they had a cat, he let the cat go and I guess it just went feral and I don't know what he did with those chickens and, and rabbits. I, I suspect he may have killed them. I don't, I don't know. Wow.
0: Okay. So we don't have anything. Yeah. So not only did, if she ran off, not only she'd leave her dogs, but she left. This cat, these chickens, these rabbits, and everything else as well. Yeah. Yeah, which, okay. So Christmas comes and goes. I guess New New Year's comes and goes. But uh, the next thing in all of this that happens that uh, I understand as being the ne- next noteworthy thing is Michael disappears. When did that happen? How long did you find out about how uh, How did you find out
1: about it? Well, it was um a little under two years after Angie had went missing. Okay. I had um, done I had just been through so much. Oh my God, so much trying to find Angie. Um, but finally, I reached out to a reporter here in Jefferson City, Revee Edwards, and she's with the um, News Tribune newspaper. And she came out and interviewed me and did a a nice story about um, Angie being missing. And it was just like the very next week, I get a call from um, national syndicated TV program, the Montel Williams show, which, by the way, was Angie's favorite show on TV. But anyway, they asked me to come and be a guest and, and speak about my missing daughter. She'd been missing quite two years. But, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that was, that's like two families. Yeah, that's a long time. That is hitting, that's that's hitting the lottery right there. Yeah. And so I went out there to New York and spent three days. And all I knew is I was going to hold Angie's picture up on national TV. And um, so I, it, it didn't. Result in anything exactly. It was a great experience and all that. But the thing of it is, when it was getting ready to air, we had a lot of publicity, local publicity about local mother, a missing daughter on national TV show, Tune In, So and So Crime, and all that. And it was on the radio stations and the t- local TV stations all over the place. At that time, Mike had deserted their property. And had uh, moved in with his step dad and step mom, um, and I guess they heard about it on the radio. And the stepmother told me that he got into his van, and with his clothes tumbling in the dryer, he said, "I'm leaving. Bye!" And he left, and all of a sudden, he disappeared. He, he just couldn't take the publicity of this.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
1: He disappeared. Also,
0: when did you find so, out that he dis? I'm guessing his stepmother told you this later. I mean, how long after he disappeared did she did she tell you that?
1: He had been gone. I don't. I can't even really remember. But okay. he had been gone for a few weeks. A few weeks when I got wind of he's missing. Okay. So yeah, and but nobody really seemed concerned or anything, but. Um,
0: I have was. To, I have to ask. So you had did have some sort of relationship with his family, his stepmother, and then is that right?
1: A little, just a little bit. Actually, I had never even met her until after Angie went missing. Mm-hmm. I reached out to everybody I could find. I mean, I I just tracked down and and dogged every person even remotely related to him. And their friends, and their, and his family. Um, I, I would just, I would just frantic. I had to find Angie. You know. Of course.
0: So she lets you know. She lets you know that Michael has gone off. You believe it's because of this publicity, all this publicity that uh, Angie's disappearance is going to get. And uh, so that's how you found out about it. So he just took off, and but you were the one who filed the missing persons report. Can you can you explain that? Which sounds a little strange.
1: Yeah, when I found out he was missing, of course you know I'd I'd known all along there was something really wrong with him, but um, I I needed to I didn't have him in my pocket anymore. I didn't know where he was, and that was really rough. So I went down there. And I said, I I want to file a missing persons report on my son-in-law. And um, once again, I had to go through it. But in the end, they took the report. I knew that, you know, they're going to in the end. But um, so now I'm making up flyers, not only of her and posting them, but of him also. And I made him up flyers and I'm putting them out everywhere. And, um, but nobody heard from him for a long time.
0: Is there a reason his stepmother or somebody didn't do it?
1: You know, his stepmother, and it turned out his stepmother who left the stepdad, uh, she and I actually, after the fact, became friends. And um, Mm -hmm. she, she said that, um, that Mike just couldn't take, take the heat. Mm. And he, she always thought that Mike did something to Angie.
0: She said that.
1: Okay. He said that.
0: Okay. So you, stepfather. He never said that. He never. His stepfather, though. Okay. What are you? You keep saying stepfather, stepmother. What about Michael's biological parents?
1: Uh, His mother died um, when he was younger. Oh. And his father. I never met his father. He died, though. During these years of all this, all this but, happening, uh, I never did meet him.
0: Okay, all right. Thank you for explaining that. Okay, so you file the person missing person report. So now you're not just looking for your daughter; you're looking for her husband, who you, of course, suspect that he did something to her. And right. um nobody had seen him. Just like Angie, kind of just dropped off the face of the earth. No idea. Um. But he was eventually found. So this, once again, and this is like this happened all two years, like you said, about two years after Angie disappeared. So let's say October two thousand five. Um, how and when was Michael found? Of course, he was found alive. Where, where, and how?
1: Well, he, um, <laughs> he, he was in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, and, um. May I back up with something?
0: Please, go ahead. Please.
1: Okay. First, I I would like to add that while he was missing, during that time, before we knew where he was. Mm -hmm. Sure. I I was able, my friend and reporter friend, Reve, helped me, and we were able to find a lady, uh, a forensic handwriting document expert lady Mm -hmm. Uh, out in Texas. And her name is Peggy Walla. We sent the postcard to Peggy Walla to to analyze it. And Peggy Walla, um, it came back that Angie did not write the card, but that Mike himself wrote the card. Okay. And um, so I took that to the um, sheriff's department And once they saw that, it was finally at that time that, and it was years later. But it was at that time for the first time ever they decided to call him a a suspect in the disappearance of his wife. So, okay, that that was good work. That was good. That was good work. So, but then, um, then it wasn't terribly long after that that the Sheriff's Department got a phone call from law enforcement in Mississippi that said um, that uh, Air Force Base um, had a man applied for a job at a military base there, a civilian job, and they did a background check on him, and and it came up that he was listed as a missing person where I had listed him. Mm-hmm. So that had an NCIC number, and they saw that he was a missing person. And uh, so the police knew that he had written the card at that time. So when they heard that, um, they decided to go get him.
0: Yeah, bring him All right, well, good. What was – uh, how long did it take to find him? If he disappeared roughly in October 2005 – When did that all happen? 2006, 2007? When was that?
1: Um, It was toward the end of, um, it was the end of um, 2008.
0: Wow. Over three years, he managed to kind of stay missing. Um, Yeah. Okay, so they found him somehow in Biloxi, Mississippi, applied uh, for a job, and his name popped up. Um, so they went and got him. I mean, what was he doing? Was he surprised that they found him? I mean, he was uh,
1: working some job there, but he was. um, They they told me he was sleeping on somebody's couch in some camper, and that's pretty much like him. But um, -hmm. you know, it's not against the law to be a missing person, but it was a red flag. Mm -hmm. And and I'm so glad that we had the postcard analyzed. Um, yeah. So that you know, they had an interest in him at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I think otherwise, who knows if they would have looked for him at all? He might, st- I know. he might still be missing in 2019 for all we know. I know. Poss- possibly. Okay. Well, that was good work. I'm glad. I'm glad they did that. So I'm sure that they, when the police showed up in Mississippi, that Mike. Uh was surprised, and you know I guess we uh, mustn't I'm guessing that he was not using a fake name or fake i d He was just using his regular name then, and it just kind of slipped through the cracks evidently. or something.'t
1: do okay. believe he was as clever as he thought he was, okay,
0: so they bring him back to Missouri, and uh what happens?
1: <laughs> well, um, I would say within it seems like it was about a week later that um he they kept questioning him and he confessed and he said he he had killed her
0: that he and killed so Angie
1: he said he killed her wow. and he hit her body
0: and what what did he say happened if we're if we're still to use this October 25th 2003 date what is the story of how she died that he told
1: Well, he says that they got into an argument, and it spilled out onto the back deck, Mm -hmm. just a little tiny deck. It was about four feet off the ground, and he said he doesn't remember if he shoved her or if she just fell backward or what, but he felt she fell off the deck. He said she hit her head on a rock, and she was dead instantly. That's what he says. And so he said, he he got down there and he sat with her for a couple of hours. And then he said he rolled her up in a tarp and he put her in the car and he's headed to Versailles, the uh, sheriff's department, which is about 25 miles away. And he said, he got halfway there and he said something changed about his adrenaline and so he turned around and he went back home and he took her out of the car and he put her in the pickup and he put their canoe in the back of the truck. And he said he drove down to a nearby dock and he put her in the canoe and he said he rode four miles upstream to an island in the dark, to an island that he knew of. And it was his idea that to lay her on this island when he reached the island, the the canoe turned over, and she fell into the shore of the island. And he got out, and and it was like mud. And he, um, and he said that it went up to his knees, but he couldn't pull her out of the mud. So he just left her there, and he went back home. That's what he said.
0: That's his story. That his story. That is his story. Okay. Okay. Um after he told this story, did he attempt to take the police out there to kind of show them where he believes Angie's body is?
1: Well, they when they when he confessed, mm-hmm. they initially charged him with five felonies, and two of them were some sort of uh, murder in the second degree or this or that. One of them had something to do with crossing the state lines in some kind of forgery or some, but there were five felonies. They said to him, they said, look, if you would take us to her remains, we will offer you a plea bargain. So he said, okay. So he took him to the island. And of course she wasn't there because she had not been put there, but mm-hmm. he, uh, they, they found nothing at all. And they talked to, The neighbor man that owns the island, you can see the island from his home. Mm
2: -hmm. And he
1: said, he told them, he said, that he and his two black lab dogs go over to his island every day and go fishing. He said, there was nobody put on that island. He and his dogs would have known it. That's what he said. But the police went ahead and, and let him have the plea bargain anyway.
0: So allegedly, allegedly, the condition was he gets the plea bargain if Angie's body was recovered, her body is not recovered, but they still give him the deal.
1: they do they did, and they said and 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 so they dropped the four of those felonies, and the only thing he was charged with was one count of involuntary manslaughter, and that carries. A term of seven years, in which he actually served for exactly four. But I they told me the reason that they offered him the plea bargain was because even though he said he confessed that he killed Angie, mm. he said they said we don't have any physical, physical, um, tangible evidence, so the evidence is literally her body. And since there is no body and he was so successful in hiding her body, um, he they had no evidence, so they let him have that.
0: I'm going to guess that uh, this was done with, all without your knowledge behind the scenes. I mean, uh, how did you feel when you found out that she he was only going to he didn't give up the location of her body, and he's still only going to get seven years anyway?
1: I was really. I was really angry, but like, you Did know what? They had just. Dis- it was decided before we walked into that courtroom. It was, and there was nothing I could do. There wasn't a thing I could do. So at least I didn't know if there was anything I could do.
0: Okay. What? What is? Who were the? Who were the? I, I'm going to guess you know the names of the people that were involved in making this deal. Who was the prosecutor? Who was the DA? Who are these people's names? Just so the public can can know who they are.
1: The detective on the case was Ron Witt. That was the worst one. Okay. The the sheriff of the department was Jim Petty. The DA was Marvin Opie. Those were the three. Okay. And it was a change of venue, and it was changed to Laclede County, which is in Lebanon, Missouri. Okay. And the whole court thing took about an hour.
0: Why did they change the venue?
1: They do that a lot. I don't know why.
0: Okay. You never got an explanation for that?
1: No. Okay. I probably I don't know that I asked.
0: Okay. Um, this you know this is uh, why I've told many people leading up to this uh, this episode. This is a unique circumstance. This has never happened on Unfound before, where we have a disappearance where somebody's actually been caught, served their time. And as people can do their math, that Michael Yarnell is now out there walking around a, a free man and has been doing that uh, for a while now. Um, looking back on it now, it may, you know, and I know you, I, I just can't imagine that. I can't even believe this happened. But would you have rathered them not do anything at that time instead yes. of him serving the time? Rather, that... I Please, I would have
1: rather um, their head been a jury and there had been not enough evidence and he had walked. I would have rather that than the four years. I'm not kidding you. Okay.
0: Or even them not even prosecute, the even with a confession not prosecute the case at that time and just wait.
1: Maybe. That would have been great, but they were dead set on making this go away. I'm not kidding. And mm-hmm. from the time he was arrested to the time he was sent to prison was six months. That's it six months and it was gone. It was over. And
2: mm-hmm. in
1: court that day, I, I pleaded with the judge. She was a nice lady. Uh, and I know that her hands were tied, but I pleaded with her. If you will give us a little more time to look for Angie's body, because I know if I find her body and especially her skull, we will see that she died differently than what he said. Mm-hmm. Would you please give us some more time and um and she she denied that. She did ask him to uh, stand up and, and just say something to the family. He stood up in court. He never even looked my direction. But he said, "All I want her mom to know is that there was no blood." So that tells me there was a lot of
0: blood. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, right, the exact opposite. Um, did. So did he ever even admit to so he admitted I don't particularly believe the story, but uh did he ever talk about the postcard did he did he admit that he was the one who wrote the postcard?
1: Yes, and he, he did. um he okay. said that I was told that he said he wrote the postcard um to make me feel better and to make them not look at look at him Mm -hmm. for anything plus to make her mother feel better
2: Mm.
0: when really it was probably just for them to not look at him Uh uh-huh okay
1: yeah probably
0: okay and um we don't know if the you did sell me something do you think that he got special treatment Uh,
1: well I do I mean um he there are four years in the last couple of years, it was a minimum security prison uh, known around here as the country club.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, you know, uh, not to get too far off subject, but, you know, I regularly go to prisons and speak. I do it. I've done it for 10 years now about violence in, in our society and missing people and my daughter's case and everything. And, you know, I go to, uh, um maximum security prisons, these guys do not appreciate that they are in there for thirty two years for something less than this guy got yeah. four years for. You know? Right. I went to the prison to visit him actually and I literally begged him to tell me where I can go collect my daughter's bones. And he would not tell me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, Never ever contact me again. I mean I I, I begged this man to tell me where to find Angie, and we won't do it.
0: You had told me that you thought that he might have gotten special treatment because he might have been doing some things for police on the side, like back whenever that, when.
1: Yes.
0: Is there any hey, what, proof? Is hey. there any proof to that, or is that just a rumor? Just, just to be honest, just to ask yeah. you.
1: If, well, I I found out. I'm talking to a whole lot of people that. He was a drug dealer. He and the neighbor men they were partners, and they were drug dealers down there
2: mm-hmm. and
1: but um i I was not surprised at that, but um I got a call. I was in the grocery store one day, and I got a call from a man from Miller County, a little town called eldon, and he told me he said, "I want you to know that." Mike Yarnell. not only is he a drug dealer, he is a police informant. He said, I want you to remember that. I wrote this man. I never heard of this man before, and I wrote his name down. And I contacted um, the um, sheriff of that county,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: I said, have you ever heard of this man? And I didn't tell him what it was. And he said, oh, yeah, he's a good guy, outstanding guy. And I thought. So you know, and they were friends. It, it, mm. Yeah, pretty legitimate to me.
2: It okay. wouldn't surprise
1: me at all because everything I did, and I mean anything and everything I did to try to find Angie, um, I I had to fight for I, this deputy. This, this detective just mm. absolutely would not help me. Do you know
0: if while he was when he was doing this confession and everything, was he ever given a lie detector
1: test? The detective in question here. Um, in the beginning, he told me that Mike had passed a polygraph test, and and when I went out to the Montel show, I called this detective. I said, "Is it okay? I had never been on a national TV program at the time, and I uh, is it okay if I?" that he passed a polygraph test and he said well actually it really wasn't a polygraph test it was a voice stress test but he did pass it I said okay so I said that I found out from um, the detectives that he was replaced with after they went and got Mike
2: mm-hmm.
1: that not only um, he was given two voice stress tests and he failed both miserably they said He cried the whole time he fell, both of them.
0: So you could maybe read into that that the story he tells about her falling off the deck is not the truth.
1: It is not the truth. Okay. It is not the truth. Okay.
0: Now I know right about now, you know, I know uh, some of the listeners are probably remembering what we talked about regarding the trailer. That when you had gone down there a little, maybe a week later, you had gone down there, you'd seen that the wall had been repaired somehow that the floor had been repaired. And some of you listeners are probably thinking, well, why didn't they go back to that trailer? And they could have, you know, done something, maybe forensics, but that couldn't be done. Why?
1: The trailer, at one point, nobody had told me, but uh, I found out after the fact that they had the land office that sells these lots down there. They wanted to resell the land that he had abandoned years before, but they—they they wanted um, a man bought the land, but he wanted that removed, and he put a a real big, nice, much nicer, newer mobile home on the very same spot. But I—I I wasn't told about that. But they dragged that trailer off and scrapped it at some scrapyard, and it was just—it was just gone.
0: So. So it's interesting. I guess even I even told you this that it's interesting to me that he would con- that Mike Michael would confess after the trailer had already been torn up and everything else. So the police couldn't even go back and check his story because the evidence is all gone now. It's all gone.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So that's pretty convenient. Very, yeah, v- I very, have, very convenient.
1: Would have found, found evidence. Mm -hmm. And she died right there. She did, and it was it was bad. Okay. Really, I know. And once again, destroyed your tissue. Right. They it hit that collage. It destroyed it. It it destroyed the wall, and it was replaced. I know this happened.
0: Yeah, that's the reason that that collage. I guess we could just generically call it a picture of some type is on the wall. And that area where that was hanging, it was repaired, and then the the area right below it had been repaired as well. You
1: know, Please. Just, just like when he sat down in the rocking chair and he said she took that – oh, yeah, she took that off the wall. He was telling on himself without knowing it, just like when he stood up in the court and said, I just want her mother to know there was no blood.
2: He was mm. telling
1: that that was the opposite,
2: yeah.
1: that there was plenty of blood, a lot of blood. And, um, you know, so this man was telling me things without knowing he was telling me.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. I'd have to say you're right, um, but um, too bad this all didn't come up. You know, too bad the DA didn't take this more seriously. When the sentencing was done, uh, you know, so many things that we can look at now that – just seemed that does seem like something shady was going on in the prosecution of this this uh case some you know things that don't seem don't seem right okay totally so agree. so the the so you know he's supposed to you know first of all he lies about it running off with his guy gary then he you know manufactures the postcard and then he pretends that he bought those presents and then he runs away himself because he doesn't want the attention well we know he ran away because he thought he might get caught himself, and then he is found, and then he makes comes up with this story, and the DA still lets him off, even though he doesn't, um, you know, never does identify where the body is, and he gets this light sentence of a total of four years. It certainly seems all a little strange.
1: It does, and you know, I keep saying he's not a very clever guy, but really, if you think about the way he <laughs> led. Our criminal justice system down such a path. I guess he was Mm -hmm. a little clever.
0: Well, either that, or was there
1: there,
0: Well, there might been some complicity too. You know, like you said, they. It seemed that you. It was like they just wanted it to go away.
1: They did. They absolutely did. You know. Okay.
0: Now we do have to talk
2: about.
0: Yeah, he wanted you to go away. I'm sure. Uh yeah, okay, and we're going to talk about what Michael's doing now, but we need to talk about this next. Many of the listeners in the discussion group saw that I posted some pictures uh of a woman with dark hair, and I had asked uh the listeners, you know, how old do you think this woman is and when do you think uh this picture was taken. Of course, I did not uh say her, what her name is or anything else like that at that point. But when did you come across um, this woman uh in I, I this picture book or whatever, please tell the listeners the name of this woman and why this could be significance significant to uh your daughter's case or disappearance, et cetera please
1: well um in my investigations many years before Michael's um first cousin. Told us, told Ravey and myself that um, that years before Mike was in the Navy and he went AWOL and he um, escaped down into Old Mexico and while he was down there, not only did he do a couple years in prison down there, he also met a woman by the name of Francesca hmm. and and the, his cousin said. And Francesca also ran away with another man. And then after all this, I had the opportunity to go in this little camper trailer, little teardrop kind of camper camper trailer of Mike's. I found the opportunity, by the way. and um, And I found this picture album, and it had all these pictures of this pretty dark-haired lady Mm-hmm. And it, you can tell they're in Tijuana, and um, and he is very young. He couldn't have been more than eighteen or twenty, really. And she seemed a little bit older, I think. But mm-hmm. um, but it, anyway, um, that mm-hmm. that was Francesca, and I I never could find out what her last name is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I know that that is the Francesca that supposedly ran away with another man and never came home
0: or um, well that's what he that's what he said about angie too so that's why that's
1: exactly
0: so that's why
1: once, why not again
0: that's right right so that's why i had posted the picture and i think the consensus is that the woman that you have identified as francesca in the picture and i posted three different pictures um, and you should know, 80% of my audience are women, so they I think they're more in tune with fashion and styles and things than men are. Um, they believe that, that given the fashion and everything else, that that picture was taken in the late 80s, and mm-hmm. that Francesca was probably in her late 30s, even possibly her early 40s. I think that's what it all averaged out to be. She was definitely in her mid to late 30s. So yeah, if, agree. you know, so if she was born, if, let's say she was 38 in the picture, let's say it was taken eighty eight 88, uh, that was, t- should be born 1950, which means Francesca would be like 68 years old now. You know, something like that.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, if, if, if the listener's right, and I default to my listeners uh, and their experience with looking at those things better than mine, because I have no, I, I'm not good at that. So and and you of course are, you can go see what they all had to say. I, there's many 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 comments, a lot of opinions I have about. To go
2: see that then. Yeah, no,
0: okay. you you will see them. Um, I, I'm I'm sorry. Now that we're talking, of course, people are not going to hear this till Friday, but I want to make sure that you get into the Facebook group, the discussion group, and you can see all the comments. Many many. I
1: I, I will. I did yeah. see some the other day.
0: But yeah, I well, that there's,
1: more that
0: there's many, a lot of differing opinions, but you I think the consensus somebody
1: said something about the acid wash gene.
0: Right, that's right. That, you know? That's right. That's exactly right. So she would be a woman um possibly in her sixties somewhere. But the tough part is you believe that she is probably not an American citizen. You believe those pictures were taken in Mexico.
1: I do. Okay. And on the back of a lot of them, in his writing, it says things uh, sort of like Francesca eating cake or something. Uh-huh. Uh, Francesca doing this, Francesca doing that. Okay. So it, it has to be this Francesca that the the cousin spoke of.
0: And this cousin did somehow... this. Uh, This cousin, I would never ask you to name this person, but you found this cousin, and this cousin said that he or she believes that Francesca ran off with another guy. That's what this person told you. Yes. Yes. And what year was this that um, you talked to this cousin? Can you say?
1: I would say it would have been about um, 2006, maybe about 2006. Okay. My friend Rave, the reporter, mm-hmm. she helped me with so many things, and this cousin lived happened to be her next door neighbor in California, Missouri, and um,
2: wow.
1: and that's where she found she found this out. Okay.
0: Well, that would certainly be something if the woman. I mean, like you said, he's like twenty; she's in her late thirties could still have a relationship that that happens um but if she disappeared as well that would that would be a a big deal it'd be interesting if we could track her down now listeners should know i just did a little bit of looking around and believe it or not there are two francesca yarnells in the united states and one of them coincidentally at one point lived in florissant missouri Coincidentally. The problem
2: mm-hmm.
0: is that according to the records that I found, she's only thirty-eight years old in two thousand nineteen. So that doesn't mm. sound like her, but you know, there are mistakes are made sometimes in paperwork. So I'm sure that mm. the listeners are gonna look that up for themselves. So this cousin led you to believe that at some point Michael had been in the military and had gone AWOL, of course, away on leave without, you know, being allowed to. Um did you ever realize that he was in the military? Did you, if he was AWOL, did he ever serve any punishment? Did Angie ever say anything to you about this? His stepmother, uh, was this new information to you?
1: Angie told me that uh, he was in a prison in Mexico, um, that it had something to do with a car title or something. And she seemed to really believe that. Um, I. I seriously doubt something like that, but as far as as I know, that's all she knew about it was, but I don't know if she knew he was in the military or not. I don't remember talking to her about it, only the fact that he'd been in prison. So, you know, wanted to let me know he'd been in prison.
0: Huh. I have to tell you that Michael does not seem like the type of type of guy that was ever in, american in a mexican prison mm, it, does, it doesn't yeah. uh, that's a little hard to believe Mexican prisons are a rough place rough i,
1: I bet yeah
0: you know and for I, I would think being an american in an a Mex, mexican prison would be even even more even tougher so I don't know yeah, what to think about that, but listeners now have maybe a job on on their hands. See if they can track down this Fran- Francesca. We don't know her last name, I guess.
1: I don't, and it's not written on the back of any of those. It's just mm. her first name. Um, okay. And that's kind of a unique name. So.
0: Yeah, not in Mexico though. Maybe in the United States, but I have some industrial listeners, industrious listeners. Maybe we can. Maybe they'll be able to do something for you. I'm hoping and see if she is still alive or not, or if she's still around. That'd be interesting to know.
1: Okay. I asked the police to look into it. I told them all about it, but they wouldn't do anything. No. And it's, with all the investigations I've done, it just seemed um, I, I didn't know how to how to do something from another country. I, mm-hmm. I kind of just tough. didn't know what to do with that. So.
0: It. Uh. That's. It's tough. You know, not because it's Mexico and because they speak a different language um they just don't keep records in the, some of these other countries like they do in the United States.' It's
2: mm-hmm. just a,
0: it's just the way it is okay, okay, but um we'll just have to see see if I do have listeners in Mexico, so I'm hopeful um, now you've been talking about your own uh, investigation that you've been doing for. Over six, over fifteen years. Of course, it'll be sixteen years this coming October. Uh, you told me about the digging and searching uh, that you've done. Um, have this been something on your own, or have you been had help? You know, in in that.
1: Well, you know, I've had, and I started going down to Ivy Bend, uh, searching for Angie, and in the beginning, I had uh this person or that person. My husband went a few times. Um that we went together many, many times. So uh I just sneak down there by myself and and went. Um and I I I've just searched so many places down mm-hmm. there. I mean I've I've went through caves, I've been to the bottom of sinkholes, crawled under old houses, burnout houses um, I just, there's no place I won't go. I, I, I don't know. I just,
2: mm-hmm. I,
1: I trespassed many times and, you know, a lot of people down there don't particularly like you just walking up on their property.
2: Right.
1: But, um, you know, I, I'm just going, I just need to find Angie. I just need to find my daughter. So, you know, I, I mean, I've carried a Uh, shovel in my trunk for years and in the earlier years I mean I I was just there was no logic to my thought process I was anything I I would do anything I mean I traveled all over I went I I went all over the place looking for in different states you know I mean I it, it was just what I did but even to this day I still, in the warmer months, I still am down there looking. And there's just so many rumors. And yeah. so I I check them all out. That's just, the rumors are endless, in fact.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, you know, if I hear that she's been put in a barrel and she's rolled into a cave, I'm crawling in there and look, looking for it. That's just what I do. But, um, it's, you know, one day I was at the bottom the sequel, and it occurred to me, you know, I could get hurt down here, I would be missing forever too, you know, and yeah. so I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I I will always bring one other person when I go, and so now I do. Okay. And I still look, but you know, yeah. I, um, the man that bought that property, he, uh, he put it back up, he put it up for sale just a few months ago, and I, I tried to buy it, with the GoFundMe thing that mm. we didn't um reach enough money but just last week some other person did buy the property so i haven't spoken to them yet but i'm hoping they're going to be yeah. um they're going to um welcome me to come let's hope to continue to look yeah sure sure
0: you had told me uh, a story about a refrigerator what did that have to do uh, with your searching
1: Oh, which is one of the times I was down there, um, there. There's a lot of... Here and there, there are trash piles. And it's just the way it is. And anyway, I was down there once, and I noticed that in their yard, which it wasn't there when Angie was there, because I don't think Angie would have put up with it, but there I noticed they... It was this big pile of tires. Um, and so I thought, well, I don't wonder why all these tires are piled up. So I started taking them off. And I got them all pulled off that pile. And underneath them, there was this blue plastic top. And so I pulled that back. And there was just flush in the ground. There was a refrigerator freezer buried. And i I mean, I was... Right. One hundred percent certain, I would find her there.
2: Yeah. And I
1: opened it, and but there was nothing in it. But um, I I know that a na- a neighbor and his wife drove um, by there every day to go to work, and I I have their account of it in writing, and they said every time they drove by, he was out there for days digging and digging and digging, and he had these these bags of concrete, of Quikrete, um mix, lay stacks of them laying there by him. And they always wondered about that. I found lots of, of um, areas of concrete just poured on the ground, just randomly, not even smoothed out, nothing just almost like left over and just poured here and there all over the place. There's lots of that it's down there in her yard and beyond
0: how big is that property
1: i would say the lot is you know i don't i don't know by feet but Mm -hmm. maybe a half of an acre okay i don't know know. okay so you've been i don't know how big it
0: is okay so you've done a lot of searching digging um I'm I'm glad to hear that um you got some help and aren't doing this alone. Like you said, being in the sinkhole, we don't need you to disappear too. Uh Marianne, of course.
1: I thought I could get bit by a snake or something. Yeah. All <laughs> right.
0: What is Michael Yarnell doing now in two
1: thousand nineteen? I you know, I don't know. I have heard rumors. I've heard rumors that he uh, lives in Monotau County, and that would be Clarksburg or California, Missouri, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that most of his family lives in that vicinity, but I'm not certain um, where he is exactly, but
2: that's,
1: that's what I've heard.
0: Okay, so he's doing something with his life, but you don't know what.
1: I don't know what. Okay. I saw him once, though. Oh, he did got you out of prison? Well, where I, did you see him? I, I was in Walmart, and
0: he ran into um, him in Walmart.:
1: He had just gotten out like, a couple of months before, a few weeks before, and I just looked up and there he was, like, I mean, two feet from me, mm. and he just looked up, and there I was, and he reached out to hug me. And I stepped back, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I remember saying, well, we're almost to the 10-year mark. That was, So this has been five years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, this, we're almost to the 10-year mark that I haven't found Angie yet. Are you going to tell me where Angie is? And he said, I told you where Angie was. And so I just kind of lost it, and I ran out of the store. And I I handled it mm-hmm. very bad. I wish I could do that again. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And you said he was with uh, another woman when you ran into him.
1: Very pretty young woman, and she just kept walking by. She was, I really truly believe she was just oblivious to the situation she that know. was going on there. She was just on looking at whatever. Um, I wish you know it's one of those things that you. You think if I could do that over again, I'd do it sure. like this. I wish I'd I'd ran her down and told her who she was with. Yeah. Whether if she listened or not, at least I would have put a bug in her ear. That's right. Um, but I didn't do that. And, you know, I I truly know that Angie died of domestic violence, and this could be happening to her now too. Yeah. But it's too late for that. Next time.
0: You know, you, early on, we talked about the possibility of Michael having another woman at the time of Angie's disappearance. Uh, did anything ever come of that? Do you know who this woman might have been? Do you think that maybe she may know something about Angie's disappearance? You know anything about any of that?
1: I I was to later find out. I didn't know it at the time. It took me a while to find out. But where he worked, he worked um, second shift and it was in a nursing home and he buffed floors at night. And this woman worked there too. And her name Mm -hmm. was Angie also. And I found out that, so he would, for quite a while, they would get off work and they would go what they called gravel roading. And, so I assume that means she's riding back around all the back roads and stuff. And I don't know whether they were smoking, drinking or what they were doing. Um,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but, um, yeah, and I, I don't know if, if when all the trouble started and Angie said he's going to leave me and I have to get a job. Maybe she found out about this, Angie, I,
2: mm-hmm. or... Do you, know,
0: do you know who this Angie – I would – don't say her last name, but do you know who she is, this other Angie? I do. Have you ever I've spoken to her? her
1: but never I, spoken to her? I've never spoken to her, but uh, okay. I know her by her last name, and um, I know that she was married as well.
2: Okay.
0: I normally don't do this. I uh, usually don't uh, put guests this much on the spot, but all these other cases that I cover are different. But I think I can do that in this case, since we have a person who's confessed, even though we don't know how truthful the confession is. Do you believe Michael's story that Angie fell off the deck and hit her head on a rock? Do you believe that?
1: None whatsoever, no. Okay. Uh,
0: I have to ask, were there a- even any rocks for her head to, to hit in in that even
1: bag? so strange. It, it's the strangest thing because that land down there is quite rocky. It is very rocky. So when they bought their property that first summer, and she spent weeks picking up rocks, and under one of the trees, she had this big pile of rocks, which she had picked up everywhere out of the yard. Because for one thing, she needed a big garden tilled, and she had to get rid of those rocks. So um, the rocks, in the yard, whatever rocks there were, Angie cleaned up. Um, whether there was a rock beside the deck, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me, however, right. because I don't believe it you don't, at you all. Don't,
0: you don't believe that at all? Okay. And so you believe that Michael lied when he confessed and he got this deal?
1: Yes, I do believe he lied. Okay. Okay.
0: Do you have a, a, a website or a Facebook page set up for Angie and her disappearance, Marianne?
1: No, I mean, I have a an Angie Yarnell still missing and loved uh, page.
0: Yeah, but, that's what I mean, sure.
1: But that page, you know, it's all about art and mm. love and feel good stuff and Angie, anything Angie like okay is, it's a you know it's not a, a crime kind mm-hmm. of a page or anything like that it, it's just love and Angie sort of page
0: okay well I'm gonna I'm going to link to it anyway and I'm gonna hope that the listeners check it out I will I by this time the the listeners There's are hearing there. this I will have posted it in the discussion group and on Unfound's founds page and so they will know about it Okay, so there's okay, good, and I know that she is, uh, on Charlie Project, which is a very, very popular place and has a lot of good information. I think that, uh, a lot of the information there is accurate, and then of course she is on Namus, uh, as well. Um, I do have to ask you. Of of course, you've been talking about all the work that you've done. I know that the last fifteen plus years have been horrible. How has Um, Angie's older brother handled this in the last 15 years.
1: You know, for, um, first few years, he didn't want to talk about it, but he's always felt, um, really bad that he didn't save her. Of course, we didn't know that, you know, that he should have somehow known and saved her from this. But now, as the years go by, we find ourselves sometimes laughing. Remember how Angie used to do this and that and stuff like that, you know? So mm-hmm.
2: it's, it's getting
1: better, but it, it's been very hard for him. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. You know, I um, in 2007, I co-founded Missouri Missing. And I like to, um, and we're very successful. And I like to think that um, Angie is a total inspiration for Missouri Missing. Sure. So I'm proud of that, and I'm pretty sure she's proud of that, too. And, um, you know, uh, it's the funniest thing. I I just, um, you know, a a couple weeks after she... I knew she was missing. I wrote her a letter because we always wrote letters and sent them in the mail and I, I had a spiral notebook and I just wrote a letter with no where to mail it but I thought eventually I'm going to know where to mail this. I just wanted her to, her to know that I, I loved her and everything and I just kept writing letters and I kept writing letters and before you know it I started numbering and titling these notebooks and I've written Twenty-five notebooks
0: of letters. Oh, my. Twenty-five notebooks.
1: Of letters to Auntie. Oh, my gosh. And you know that when she went missing, it was almost Christmas, I'd already bought her gifts and everything. And when she didn't come, I eventually took her presents and put them in the closet upstairs. And then when May came, which is her birthday, I went out and I bought a trunk. And so every Christmas and every birthday, I put another present in Angie's trunk, Oh, my and it's gosh, overflowing and this christmas um i I opened my great grandmother's trunk and we started trunk two, have um Angie's trunk.
0: that is amazing, so,
1: you know I do those things, mm. you know, yeah, that sort of thing makes me feel good, so yeah <laughs> that's uh that's a new story
0: to unfound. I've never heard of a parent doing that that is a new one. <laughs> That's very uh, unique. Wow, what a way, what a way to remember.
1: I, to be, I just need to stay productive. And I need, I, I mean, I, like I said, you know, I, I have Missouri Missing and we stay really busy. And, mm-hmm. and I work with the Restorative Justice Program. And I, I went, spoke at a church last night. And things it's just, I, I feel it is my duty go out there and, and honoring Angie. And not only Angie, but now, you know, I know hundreds of families with missing loved ones. Sure. And we all need help and, and we, that's, that's how I, that's how I get by, you know. Yeah, right.
0: Any last words before we conclude this interview, Marianne?
1: Well, um, I don't know uh, exactly, but I mean, I, I really appreciate you talking to me and I appreciate all these people that are going to listen. listening. And you know, over the years, here um, and there, I hear different... I, I get a lot of support from people down there in Ivy Bend. And, and, and I, I did have um, billboards for Angie. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The BBC seem, seems to think that the billboard outside of Ebbing, Missouri movie was fashioned after Angie, and um, and I, I kind of think that's true. But wow. anyway, um, I all the times I've went down there, some people have not been very nice to me, but others have just hugged me and the, and and the business owners and all down there, my good friend down there, Pat. Um, she lost a daughter named Angie as well um, but you know it just it's so nice that Angie just lives on and e- even if it's just um, you know a curiosity thing or anything it's, it's all good to me so I'm so hopeful that that we will find Angie in yeah. these days
2: right
0: uh, and I hope uh, I can assist in some way, Marianne. Uh, you know, just just because you've been on the program doesn't mean uh that you and Angie aren't on my mind anymore. Uh, um, my guests will te- will testify that even guests that I've had on the program two years ago, whenever I keep in contact with them. You know, if I ever need any help with anything. In fact, just today I was able to link up. Uh, A former guest with a reporter who's going to be doing a story on this uh, guest's uh, brother who is missing. And, you know, I talked to this woman like two years ago. But Uh so, you know, these are the things I like. You know, if I can do it, I get it done. So um, that's what I'm always going to be here to do for you if I can.
1: You know, That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate
0: it. Okay, Marianne. You're welcome. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound.
1: Thank you for having me on here.
0: You're welcome. And that was my interview with Marianne Asher Chapman, mother of Michelle Angie Yarnell. I thank her for being on the program. I also need to thank a listener, Carrie, who drove down to the Ivy Bend area to take some video of where Angie lived. You can find the video at the Unfound YouTube channel. This is not your standard kind of summation that I usually do for an episode. No need to wonder who did it or why, and what's the reason the police aren't taking the case more seriously. Nope, we have the main suspect, Michael Yarnell. He admitted to being responsible for Angie's death and disappearance. He did his time, and he is now a free man, just like me and you. Well, maybe not. Michael Yarnell is not in the same situation as you or I am, unless you've ever had to allocute to a crime to get a reduced sentence. Michael ultimately decided he wanted to admit he was responsible for Angie's death and disappearance. Remember, that happened because the DA wanted to give him a deal if Michael revealed where Angie's body was. Michael didn't do that, but he still got the deal. Why did that happen? Not sure we will ever know. But it's disgusting the DA was so gullible. Once again, hook, line, and sinker. We must remember something, though. Coming up with some story to tell the DA isn't necessarily illegal, and it's not perjury. However, when Michael told the same story in court, he was surely under oath and was required to tell the truth as part of his plea deal. Meaning, if Marianne, or someone else, could prove that Michael lied in court, then his plea deal is null and void. Furthermore, depending on the evidence someone would have to prove that Michael lied, he could be tried again for Angie's death and disappearance without the issue of double jeopardy. I'll leave the rest of the analysis up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel. And you've been listening to Unfound